0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the Decided Heart Effect, where we invite you to live your life every day with the courage to live with a decided heart. My name is Sonia and I have my co-host Hillary. Hi Hillary. And we are just so honored to have Paul Angoni here with us. Um, He is on a mission of speaking life, truth, and hope to the next generation. And he's doing this in pretty big ways. First of all, he is a best-selling author, Paul, you have like four best-selling books right now. There's a fifth one, I know, I believe, coming your way soon, called 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing. He is a national keynote speaker. He also started a movement, I mean, the movement overall, but it was through the All Grown-Up podcast and also book that created this momentum of targeting our 20-something-year-olds and changing the narrative. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor.
0: I love
2: your example of having a decided heart moment because so often we get trapped in this idea that our story isn't big enough, our pivot moment, our trial isn't big enough to create something beyond that. And sometimes, you know, we've had people on that had a train accident and then it changed the trajectory of their lives or cancer and it changed the trajectory of your lives. But most of us, God willing, don't have these huge, enormous things, but that doesn't mean that we don't want something more, that there isn't something nagging at us. And I love your decided moment was sort of the, these a thousand little moments that led to one decision you made in a hotel room. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, you put it, you put it really well. Mine wasn't a, a big billboard moment. Mine wasn't a huge light bulb moment. I was waiting for that dove to come and bring me a scroll with the plan for the rest of my life. I was waiting for all those big moments, but instead it was, it was just a small decision really based out of a lot of questions and a lot of frustration and a lot of pain. It it was based out of more feelings of failure than it was feelings of success. So it was traveling on the road for a, a sales job. I was gone for months in rental cars and motels and just constantly on the go and feeling very lonely, feeling isolated, feeling like, what am I going to do with my life? This job didn't feel like a good fit. So just late one night in a hotel room, I was like, do I watch more reruns? Uh, Do I eat more candy bars from the vending machine down the hall? Uh, Or do I do something different? Do I start, do I start putting some of these questions down? And so I opened up my laptop and I started writing a book. I had no idea what book I was writing. I had no idea what the topic was going to be. I had no idea what, how to make a book or anything, but I just started that. And that was that moment of, okay, I'm going to work at this. This is going to be part of my journey because there's something going on here. Even if I don't fully understand it right now.
0: Mm. I just, that trust of intuition is, is huge. Um, You and I have talked about the 20 somethings and this interesting um, path or transition where we've been told what to do as children. And when do we stop being told what to do and become fully independent adults? And that's a, such a gray matter. And, that, and I would love for you to share a little bit more, the moment of, wait, whose agenda am I living? What, what path am I following? Is it my own? Is it partly my own? Can you speak more to that? Cause I feel like that's where you were at in the hotel room, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think for most of us, we just spend uh, the beginning part of our life climbing all the right steps. And that's kind of the goal. You know, you get the right grades in high school so that hopefully you get into the right college to get right through the right internship, graduate with the best GPA, get the best job. It's just climbing one step after another. And for me, I felt like I'd climbed all the right steps and then I flung open the doors and it's like, here's the rest of my life. Here's going to be success and my career and who I'm going to marry, like it's all there waiting for me and it's going to be glorious. Instead, I felt like I opened up all the doors and I felt like I was tricked and I was back in the basement and there was a bunch of dark halls and locked doors. And I was just wondering, how do you figure this out? This, it felt much more scary to me than it did exciting. And I think a lot of people go through that experience. And that's what I started learning as I started my, my moment and my journey. And I started being the person that uh, people would open up to they knew that I was struggling and I was asking questions and how do we do this? How do we figure out the rest of our lives? And so people started coming to me as a resource because there was something big going on uh, in this elongated transition process that some people call emerging adulthood, that it's not this straightforward process, that it's really elongated uh, for many reasons, but it's not as simple or straightforward, I think, as it was in the past.
2: I love what you do to me in my mind. I, here's what's echoing through is the idea of you're calling BS. You are calling BS on this idea of we're gonna be this linear life and this is how it's gonna go and this is how the ladder goes. And there's a book called Life is in the Transitions and he really talks about you know, that whole idea of the calendar. When that came to be, it, it messed with our minds because it told us we were supposed to always just live linearly. And that means when the highs or the lows happen, we're shocked. We're wait, wait, hold on. We're just supposed to do this, or we're supposed to do this. And the earlier I, most of the time it's we're in midlife and we go, hold on. I love the fact that you are addressing this at a younger age that will hopefully help our 20 somethings out there, not embrace this as, as these talk tracks of failure or shooting on themselves or all of those other things, but rather embracing the fact that life is going to go up and it's going to go down and it's going to go in circles. And sometimes it's going to be diagonal and spaghetti. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, in my uh, one of my books, 101 Questions You Need To Ask In Your 20s, I kind of tackle the metaphor of the, the corporate ladder or the ladder, the career ladder of that linear step like you were describing. And I started realizing I started putting it more in the metaphor of uh, this kind of island hopping journey that you're on this boat and you're you're going out into the seas and you're going from one island to another and you're picking up resources. You're picking up experiences. You're picking up uh, new skill sets. You're doing all these things, but then you're leaving that island and you're traveling again. And then sometimes your boat gets shipwrecked or sometimes uh, you're stuck on an island and you're stranded for a while. You you move back in with mom and dad for a year and you feel like you're on a deserted island, but you're right. It's not this straightforward journey. Uh, it's kind of this island hopping journey, but you're, but you're picking up all these skills and these talents and this, and you're learning more about yourself. So that's why I think success in your twenties and especially is more about setting the table than it is about enjoying the feast. And so it's, how, how are you setting the table? How are we asking the right questions? Instead of just pretending like we don't have any questions, and just getting into a comfortable job that we know is not a good fit for us. And then yeah, maybe down maybe when maybe I'm 50 or 60 years old I'll ask questions about what I really want to do with my life. Which I meet a lot of people like that. And that was is always a little heartbreaking to me. It's like no, do the hard work now. And and wherever you're at. I mean, you could be 55 and it's like do the hard work now. You could be 35 and it's do the hard work now. You know, ask yourself these questions instead of just putting it off. You know, it's living intentionally. Uh, in, a, in a way, because I think most of us, we live intentionally unintentional, and I think that's, that's a big part of the problem.
0: Well, I, what's really important to me, too, and what I'm re- resonating with is, is those who are currently raising their children, <laughs> like how, however young they are, and this promise, you know, the promised land, the glorious feast, like I, I, I'm really hooked on to like, ooh, something glorious is going to happen, and we set that up as parents, educators, teachers, why do we have to set that up? And it's really based on fear like, oh, I gotta keep my child motivated. And the only way to do this is to have this promise at the end. And then what happens unintentionally is through that fear, our children live this linear expectation life. I would love for you to speak to some of the the struggles that you had, Um, you called it lies and Mm -hmm. how that led to the movement that you started. So the the beginning of, of your movement.
1: Yeah. You, know, I was, I was just struggling with a lot of those lies and I didn't realize they were lies at the time. And that's, that's the you know, most dangerous part about lies is when you're accepting them as truth. Yeah. And for me, it was, it was these lies that I can see now, but not at the time of I'm a failure and everybody is doing better than me. I'm the only one struggling. Um, when is life going to turn out like it was supposed to? I remember wrestling with that question, you know, it was wrestling with all these insecurities, fears, all these things that you think you left behind, you know, cause I had a great college experience. I was successful. Again, I had a lot of good things going for me. I felt like I'd left all those insecurities behind, but then you realize they're kind of like swamp things, right? That at some point, and especially in times of transition and change, a lot of those insecurities that you thought were gone, they all start coming back again. Things that you haven't necessarily addressed. Uh, these fears that you haven't faced, and so yeah, it was a very scary and tough time in my life. And I think it is for a lot of people. And whether you're in your 20s or not, any season of transition and change is really uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I I sometimes equate transition to you know the 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 last phase of birth, and I've witnessed four births now because I have four children. But but I always thought it's somewhat comical that the last phase of birth is called the transitional phase. And we almost say it's so light and so breezy. Oh, it's just the transitional phase, right? It's no big deal. And it's like, no, it's kind of a big deal and it's kind of painful. Um, You know, that's when as a husband, I realized that you could pass out, start crying and throw up all at the same time. It's a very intense experience, right? Um, But that's why, I mean, transition is very intense because there is no normal. There is no comfortable. Um, You feel very lost. But what I started realizing through this experience that really the first step to exploring is getting lost. That's what explorers do. That's kind of the whole job is that you intentionally get lost, but you have a sense of where you're going. you maybe have some maps, you have some guides with you. So it's an, it's intentional lostness with an idea of, okay, I'm headed this direction, but I have no idea how I'm going to get there. And so that is a scary process. Um, but we have to allow ourselves to enter into it sometimes if we do want to get to that point of, okay, what am I meant to do in this life? What is my passion, my purpose? And a lot of times we find that through this transition period, because I think transitions are the most important seasons of our life. They're not just something to rush through to get to the next important season of our life.
2: I, I love that, 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 tr- that resonates so much for me because I really feel this, and I see this a lot with my clients. They get this idea of, I will be happy when, and then they sell that bill of goods to the people around them and everything and their children and whatnot. I will be happy when I have the job, when I have the wife. Well, no, let's be happy. And I know you've said this is work and it is, but work doesn't have to be agonizing. It can also be fun. And the fun is recognizing, oh, hi change. I see you come on in going to say yes to a bunch of different things and see how they work out. Some of them are going to work. Some of them may not work. What did I learn from those things? So are we beginning with that narrative of, Hey, this discovery, I'm curious, this is going to be super fun. And Mm -hmm. and it's not going to, again, it may not turn out the best all the time, but I'm going to laugh about it. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to take the lessons. We had a, a guest last week who said, we're not our stories. We're the lessons we take from the stories. And mm-hmm. I think that that transition in thought and as early as you are getting to people and even earlier, I'm sure you're teaching your children as well. It's okay. Can we let go of the, oh, you know, mm-hmm. moment? <laughs> yeah,
1: ex- exactly. And, and this fear of uh, embarrassing ourselves, especially in the social media age, you know, and that's a big difference for this generation is everything looks so perfect Uh, everybody's doing so great. Uh, everybody has these amazing updates all the time. And so I think we have this real fear of failure and embarrassing ourselves of looking stupid, of looking dumb, of missing out, you know, all these things. Uh, but I'm often remind myself. And I remember writing about this in one of my books that, that the possibility for greatness and embarrassment, they both exist in the same space. Mm -hmm. So you really can't do one without the other. There has to be a very real possibility of embarrassing yourself. You know, if if I'm going to get up on stage and I'm going to speak to a crowd of a thousand people, there's a very real chance that I might embarrass myself. I might trip. I might forget what I'm going to say. I might look really foolish. And so I have that adrenaline and I have a little bit of that fear when I go up on stage. Uh, But I also know that's the only way for me to do something great in this moment and to make an impact and to speak a message and to impact lives. And and hopefully people are coming up at the end and they're crying which is always amazing to me. And that's always a fun experience when they're coming up crying and they're like, I came to a business conference. I didn't know I was going to start crying, uh, but you really touched me. But it's those moments, right? That we have to allow ourselves that, that freedom to say, you know, this might go completely wrong. This might fail. But it's also in those moments where we also find our passion and purpose. Because if we do fail at it and we do embarrass ourselves, and yet we want to keep doing it, the next day we want to try again well, gosh, now we've really found something that fits within our passion and purpose. Uh, Because it's easy to say you're passionate about something that you've achieved some success over. It's a lot harder to say I'm passionate about something that nobody cares about, and I have no accolades, and I just embarrassed myself doing.
0: You know, uh, on the other side of of things too, as we engage in in curiosity, we will find ourselves in these darker places. And I can't help, but the, the biggest for me personally and I think that we don't teach enough is forgiveness Mm -hmm. and we we talk a lot about forgiveness and oh we should forgive others um expect it would be great to have been forgiven but what about within ourselves I forgive myself for tripping and stumbling and failing and that was the most super tool that I have found within myself once I and 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 that's where the joy comes like I'll totally make a mistake and I'll chuckle because I absolutely love that I had the courage to engage. And I absolutely like laugh, like that was embarrassing and that's okay, because I totally forgive myself for that. Mm-hmm. And that's part of that growth. I also cannot help but think about the transition <laughs> period that you talked about, so dramatic in terms of labor. But one thing that I physically understood, and I think this goes for, for everyone, is when we are, are at our most vulnerable sense of place, whether it's emotional or physical, what was taught to me is to absolutely trust yourself because stop thinking we overthink about things if you believe like just rely on your body and heart you will get to where you need to be so it's almost like a release of all the narratives rather than adding on
1: mm-hmm. yeah and- exactly exactly that's a great way to put it you know and i relate it to the metaphor of let's say you're lost you know i live in colorado in the rocky mountains and there'd be times i'd be working i worked up at a ranch during the summers in the mountains So you'd literally be in the middle of nowhere. And when it's dark in the mountains, it's really dark. It's pitch black. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. And I remember those moments of feeling so lost where you don't necessarily know where you're going. You don't know what's ahead. But it's in those moments where you have to be, like you said, you have to be still. You have to be quiet. And all your other senses are coming alive in that moment. So maybe you can't see, but you can hear a lot better. You can feel. And it's in the... it's in those moments in our lives where we feel the most lost that I also think we get the most clarity. If we allow ourselves to sit and be still and reflect and pray and, and ask, Hey, what is, what is, what is going on here? What is the bigger message here that I need to step into instead of let me keep running full speed. Let me just try to plow my way through this. Well, then you're going to knock yourself out, you know, and then that's a whole nother problem.
2: It's so interesting. I'm listening to you both. And the stillness, we've sort of had a forced stillness, Paul, over the last year, right? With COVID. But I think that it is allowing messages like yours to resonate because people are saying, wait, hold on. What happens when my overscheduled life slows down? And now what? And and you can't outrun things. Have you seen a shift in how people are showing up uh, and, and ready for your message because of COVID?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I, I, and I even see some similarities to when I started writing was during the great recession, you know, that we talk about when it was really hard to get a job and it was, everybody was struggling financially. I was trying to get a job in that season. So I remember that struggle and that fear again. And, um, you know, hearing hiring freeze all the time and, and having to tell people that I was in between opportunities, which just meant I couldn't get a job. You know, I was one of the many, the humbled, the unemployed. Uh, and so I even relate it a lot to this feeling of just uncertainty and fear. And, and yeah, I think it's in these seasons that we do ask ourselves the most questions and we are humbled in a sense, because it's in those seasons when all these, these crutches that we've been relying on, and that could be our busy schedule. That could be our important job. That can be whatever, when that is kicked out from underneath us, well, then we have to figure out what we're really standing on. And and so that, that is one of the lies I tackle in my new book is that. Silence needs to be filled with noise. And we live in such a noisy world. And I relate it to even, I, I use the metaphor of watching interviews of Mr. Fred Rogers. So Mr. Rogers from the TV show, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and interviews that he did with Charlie Rose, the famous interviewer who would interview all these celebrities. And there was these interviews that they did that were, anybody can Google this, you YouTube this, they're spectacular to watch because basically what you're watching is Charlie Rose, who wants to see everything, who wants to do everything, who wants to experience everything, but he's so amazed and, he, and he's so humbled by Fred Rogers and he even tells Mr. Rogers, you're the most peaceful man I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Rogers, he was all about how do we promote, and he would ask Charlie Rose this, how do we promote silence and reflection even through television? And so, so Mr. Rogers had this deep well, and he would get up and he would, he would read the Bible. You know, he was a Christian uh, minister and so he would read the Bible and he would go swimming and he had this routine of filling his well up with silence, with reflection, uh, with this deep wisdom uh, so that he could then bring it to the world. And I do think we miss that sometimes. So when I'm writing, even on my, for myself, I'm at, with a camping chair by a lake with a cup of coffee, uh, surrounded by trees and ducks and water. And that's where I do my best writing because I can actually think. And so I think sometimes we're, we're all looking for this clarity and these breakthrough ideas. And why can't I have this? Well, it's like, well, have we given ourselves any time or space to actually think? Uh, or are we just cramming noise and headlines and shouting and everything on the Internet? We're just cramming that into our lives every day. Well, yeah, we're not going to have any breakthrough ideas that way.
0: Absolutely. Um, we, we're, we're, we talk a lot about being still. Um, in the realm of parenting, in the realm of growing up, I mean, this stillness is so important. And when I was at Villanova Prep as a high school counselor, um, although I wasn't, you know, Catholic, it was an Augustinian school. There is the um, in the Bible, be still and know that I am God. And I just mm-hmm. really hung on to the being still. That is the essence of it. Um, I do want to switch a little bit in, in terms of um, I'm because I'm so curious about all grown up. You switched, you played with the name from groaning to growing. Like, tell me a little bit about that, because that was kind of the start of of the movement. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You know, it's a long story of basically being in that hotel room and feeling like I should write a book at 21, 22 years old and having no idea how to do that, to then learning the hard way throughout my whole 20s of getting a literary agent, getting rejected by every publisher around, re-editing a book. Uh, just to get, uh, you know, re-rejected by every publisher around, re-editing a book, getting rejected again. I mean, it was nearly eight, nine years of that. So I I went through that kind of that classic struggle of failed author who can't get anything published. And so I actually started over again. So talking about another transition, another change, that kind of circular, it's not linear. And I I ended up um, ending the relationship with my literary agent, And I went back and got a job and ended up starting my master's degree in organizational leadership, Mm. which was so interesting because I didn't have a job at the time that I started the program, I wasn't leading anybody. So it was a real, a real strange paradox, but it felt like this is something I need to step into. And I started working at that university. So long story short, out of my master's program, I kind of pitched them on this idea of let me create a website as my thesis to go and reach my audience that I'm, I wanna reach, to go and speak to them because all these gatekeepers are telling me, who are you to write this book? Who are you to speak to these people? Uh, 20-somethings don't need a book like this. There's no such thing as emerging adulthood. Um, so I, I thought, well, let me go straight to my audience. So that's where this, this website was birthed from, it was basically from a lot of failure, a lot of do-overs, everything I had learned, and I called it all grown up, G-R-O-A-N, like you're groaning in pain uh, to play off that, that those growing pains, and how difficult and how painful it is at times for people that are going through that change. If you're going in and you're if you're being refined by the fire, which we use that metaphor a lot, that that's not that's not simple. That's painful. And so I was kind of putting that within to truly tr- really identify uh, with my audience because I knew again what it was like, and that's why I was so passionate about it. And so I know you guys probably do the same. I I encourage people to lean into those moments of pain and frustration when you're struggling with a problem, because those are are your passion moments. That's your purpose moments, because you care about something way more than anybody else will. And so that's where All Grown Up started. And then I did that for a while and, and wrote an article called 21 Secrets for Your 20s. And that became my tipping point moment where it went really viral, spread all over millions of shares. It was just kind of this wild tipping point moment. Uh, but I had a foundation there of 10 years. So it was, I had something to sustain it. And then that became that moment where I then took off running uh, full speed after being a full-time author and speaker.
0: It's almost like, um, I know Hillary, one second, like in terms of the sleeping giant, you know, in terms of, of the audience, the 20 somethings not being taken care of, that that's the sleeping giant and you're kind of poking around, right? And then suddenly it, I mean, I'm just so thankful that there was an advocate or is an advocate like you that is fighting for, for that transition, that emerging, because it, it's huge in terms of what our world is going to look like. So, I mean, everyone should care about it because that is exactly how the world is going to form in our near future that will impact all of us in this room. So, Hillary, you're going to say something?
2: No, I just, I thought that it was really important. I, I, I think as we're sort of leaving this conversation and I hope that there's so many more conversations to come Paul, because what you are doing, I wanna thank you for your vulnerability because you are telling the truth in a way that, and I think it's powerful coming off the heels of us having read Cassandra Speaks, which talks about, you know, many times men are told that they can't show that weakness. Weakness. I'm putting in quotes for Mm -hmm. anybody who can't see it. You know, don't let anybody know that you are lost. Don't let anybody know that it's painful. And the fact that you're sharing it and you're dispelling some of those myths and you're bringing it to the forefront is so powerful because success, the way that I hear you bringing this up, success is in truth telling. It's in the vulnerable moments. It's in the stillness. (laughs) But it's also in the resilience, right? It's in that absolute and utter resilience. And you have that so much. I want to thank you so much for bringing that to our our listeners and viewers.
1: Well, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. And I take that to my heart because that is is my heart. Um, Because I feel like a lot of us are struggling, but too many of us are struggling to make it look like we're not struggling. And, um, and it's an isolating thing, and it's leading to some serious side effects, especially for young people in depression and anxiety and even suicide, uh, which is just a, a catastrophe. So that really is my heart to be that to be that person that would be say, hey, I'm willing to go first. And I encourage my readers to do the same. Like sometimes you have to be willing to go first and say, you know what? I am struggling with this. Like, I know I've made it look on Instagram that I'm doing amazing But actually, I'm kind of struggling in some ways. So let's talk about it. And then I think we all realize that we don't connect over our pretend perfection. We connect over our shared struggle. Like that's where the connection point happens. That's where hearts are changed. Lives are saved. And so I try to be as vulnerable and authentic as I can. And I do that in all my books. You know, even even in my newest book, The the Lies book, I have the lie of chasing your dream will look sexy. And and I, I say, that's a lie. And I even talk about, you know, once I get a book deal and I'm a published author, you know, I've got, I've obtained the thing I was looking to obtain. Well, now I'm living back with my in-laws as we're trying to make it work. Or now my wife and I are sleeping in a closet for a period of time, uh, with two kids in one room and and my wife's sister in another room and there's no space for us. So my wife and I are in a closet. It was a pretty good sized closet. It could fit a mattress, but it was still a closet, you know, um, So I like to pull back the veil constantly because I think especially with social media and what I call obsessive comparison disorder and our obsessive connection disorder that we're always obsessively doing something on social media that is not filling our soul up at all. Typically, Um, I think we all need to pull back that veil so that we can actually have authentic and real conversations that change lives no matter what business or what profession we're in. I think that's an important step for all of us as we're looking to connect uh, and make an impact.
0: Awesome. Paul, thank you so much. I, I, I feel like every every phrase that you have said to us is something like, oh, we have to write this down. We, we've got to publish this somewhere. Um, I appreciate, again, the, the courage, the vulnerability. This is where the real meaningful connections happen, right? We don't have to be obsessive. It just, if we go in with vulnerable hearts, we find each other, we connect and we learn from each other. Um, We are going to have all the links up on how our listeners can, because I feel like even the latest book, 25 lies, 20 somethings need to stop believing perhaps the 40 something, the 40 year olds and the six year olds might want to grab that book to say, Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that was a lie. Um, What is the best way? uh, Again, we'll have the old Up links and all that. What is the best way to get a handle of that book?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can find me at allgrownup.com again, G R O A N. And, um, and you can read free chapters from that book, the first two chapters and, and chapters from all my books, uh, through the website. So if you just want to check it out, you just enter your email and you get all the books, uh, chapters for free, or, or you can find them at Barnes and Noble or Amazon, or maybe Target. Um, there's different stores that carry my newest book. And, and then on social media at Paul Angoni, uh, A N G O N E. It's very Italian. Uh, My middle name's Anthony, so I could be Tony Angoni is actually the pronunciation, you know, of this very Italian name. Um, So you can find me at at Paul Angoni on Instagram and on social media. But yeah, feel free to reach out if anybody's listening through the website. uh, I'm accessible. I'm the one that reads my email. So I love talking to people uh, who are, especially if you're struggling or if you have questions, or maybe you even have a son or daughter that's going through something uh, as a teenager, 20 something that you don't understand. Uh, So my books can be a good resource for that as well.
2: Thank you so much. I feel like this was part of filling, filling my soul today. I really appreciate it because there are so many as a parent and just as someone who's out there trying to help make a difference and an impact, what you are doing is so beautiful and so powerful. And so from Sonia and I, again, Paul, thank you so much because we want our listeners, our viewers to understand that they have the opportunity every day to have a decided heart. They have the opportunity every day to make their story matter. And it doesn't have to be huge to make an impact and make a difference. So again, we are so grateful for everything you've done. We know people are going to hook up with you. And if you want to make sure you listen to more stories like this and tips on how to have a decided heart in your life, Be sure to subscribe at YouTube. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, we're there. We know you're going to want to listen to Paul. We know you're going to want to hear all of those other stories out there that are of impact. And maybe your story will be on as well, because we want you to know you do matter. We'll see you next time.